0: Kids, this is carl with an update on music to code by on january 4th 2016 i released the 11th music to code by track gold that's right there are now 11 25 minute tracks including the original three and you can download them all in one big zip file for less than 50 bucks at mtcb.poop.com
1: Episode 1243, with guest Arnon Axelrod. Recorded Thursday, December 17th, 2015.
0: Hey, it's Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. We're here for Dotton Rocks again. Hey, Richard. Hey, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing well. The holiday season is upon us. Indeed it is. Indeed
1: it is. Getting all my shopping done. <laughs> yes. Well, it's upon us while we're recording this. It's like the week before Christmas, but this is not coming out till like the middle of January. Yep, so, that's So, right. hey, I hope your new year was great. <laughs> <laughs> we, love, we love time shifting. It's awesome. I just like want, being able to have a couple of weeks off, right? So, yeah. we, we've obviously loaded up a bunch of shows. Yep, that's the way it goes. I think when this shows out, we're at NDC in London. How about that? hmm I hope we're having a good time. I'm sure we are, because I know the next week we're going to
0: Scotland. Well, and there's still time, I think, to sign up for Scott Net Rocks when this comes yeah. out. I all don't
1: right? know. I know. It'll be the week before. Maybe it'll all be sold out. I hope not. I hope there's room for everybody. Me too. Well, if you want to check that out, that's our Scottish tour, Scotnet Net Rocks.
0: That's uh, tinyurl.com slash Scott Net Rocks to sign up. Because that's the best name ever. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Roll the crazy music. I got something for you. Awesome. All right, buddy. What do you got? I went looking around for some information on TypeScript and just to see what the the kids are doing with it. And, uh, it turns out that at TypeScriptLang.org, there's a, there's a playground for it. Now, you know what a playground is. This is, Yeah, 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 a place where you can just type something. It's like an online REPL kind of thing. And so this is a, a, a really cool idea that you can just type TypeScript in the left pane and then click a button and you get JavaScript in the right pane. And it's pretty cool. So the uh, link is tsplayground.pwap.me. Nice. And uh, if you're already doing TypeScript, that's great. But if you're not and you're still on the fence and you're thinking, you know, I just need a little boost, maybe this will Maybe this will
1: boost you. Yeah, let you do some experimentation. Like literally, it uh, only a URL to get an entry. Like that's not yep. that hard to do. That's just not that hard. Yeah. All right, Richard, who's talking to us? Grabbed a comment off a show 1207, the one we did with Justin Sears when we talked about mature test-driven development. That was great. That was the one where he talked about the different schools of TDD, the, the Detroit versus London and that sort of thing. Yeah. Spawned a lot of comments, actually. And this yep. one comes from Matt Lacey addressing Justin directly where he says, I really value your comment about the best indicator of good testing being the consistency of tests. I used to think it was whether developers were interested in actually having or creating tests because they aren't uh, always consistent. I've only ever seen a small number of low-value tests being created on a project. I could see having good examples to point people to to make it easier for them to write tests, which would Mm. definitely help in that kind of situation. Mm. As I typically end up being the advocate for more testing on a project or at the company, I'm working with this idea to see if it'll be useful to me. I'm not sure about your any tests are better than no tests" comment. I've definitely seen examples where tests have been of negative value to a project, which is an interesting thought. Really? This has been for several reasons, including the tests don't actually test anything relevant to the project. So, you know, if you have to fix code to make the test pass, you're wasting time. Uh, The tests don't actually do anything at all. Right. I've seen tests that create a mock and then verify that the mock exists. Hmm. The test includes a cut and paste copy of the code it's supposed to be testing. (laughs) (laughs) Let's think about that for a minute. Yeah, really? That's, That's bad. The test is massively over for the logic it's testing, even to the point where trying to understand the test takes more work than anyone would take to write simple, multiple tests that were easier to read and make it clear as to what was being tested. Yeah. The tests are huge and mocks up most of the large application purely for the sake of a developer to be able to say there is a test or something that they've written. Mm-hmm. I've worked on projects where we've removed tests from a suite because of these kinds of issues. Mm -hmm. In these cases, it would have been better to have no tests at all than bad ones. You could argue perfectly reasonably that the above examples aren't good tests. But even in a time where TDD is, quote, mature, and that, you know, I think he started calling me out there that I call this mature testing because lots of places still aren't doing testing. But I just wanted to have an example of here's a guy who's been doing it for so long, he's got some sort of broader view on it. There are senior engineers in large, influential software companies who are writing tests such as the ones I mentioned above or are just refusing to see any value in coded tests because the ones they've seen typically end up being awful. Mm. Hopefully, this won't always be the case, though, and more developers can learn the nuances of writing good tests to help improve the quality of more software. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. We're on board, 100%. Sure. And, uh, you know, we 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 are trying to press against this idea, not that testing is a nouveau idea anymore, that there's... That it is maturing, that there's places out there that are being very successful with it, doing more and more with it. And that's why we're doing more shows about it.
0: Well, and ultimately, you just have to think, you know, and analyze your own situation and see what works for you. Mm-hmm. you know,
1: there's no substitute for thinking. <sighs> and there's no one right way to get this done. Yep. So, Matt, thank you so much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug It's on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at dot or via any of our social media. We publish every show, Facebook and Google+. Comment there. We read it on the show. We'll send you a mug. Yeah. And also, you can tweet us. I'm at
0: Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. Send tweets. We love them. We eat them for breakfast. And uh, that brings us to our guest, Arnon Axelrod, has over 30 years of software development experience In the first 10 years being a hobby since the age of 11. In his professional career, Arnon worked at various companies as a software engineer, including four years at Microsoft, both in dev and in test. In the last few years, Arnon found great interest in test automation as he realized that this subject is a core pillar in good software development and is strongly related to clean code, architecture, working processes, and even business structure and business culture. Today, Arnon works as a senior consultant and team lead of test automation at Sela Group. That's S-E-L-A, the leading software consulting company in Israel. In his job, Arnon helps software development teams improve the quality of the software they produce while cutting wasteful maintainability costs. And improving their efficiency. Welcome to .NET Rocks, Arnon.
2: Thank you for having me. It's a it's a pleasure and uh, very exciting.
0: A pleasure to have you here. We were just in your neck of the woods, and uh, you know, some, as so many people said, you never called, you never wrote, and <laughs> <laughs> we were we were only there a day, and wish we could have stayed long. Well, I know Richard was there longer, but uh, I was only there a day. <laughs> yeah, I want to go back. It was beautiful.
2: Yeah, you're welcome to come back uh, whenever you want.
0: Mm. So, um, do you want to start by
2: responding to the comment that Richard read? Um, Yeah, I I think that um, indeed uh, writing good tests is not, um, it's something that has to be uh, taught and practiced. And uh, uh, I agree. I I also saw many times um, people writing tests that are has very little value and often uh, has also cost of uh, of great maintainability and uh, so in overall they have um, a negative value. So yeah. uh, it's I, I know this situation. Um, I've I seen this uh, many times, mainly in unit tests, unit tests, but um, also in uh, more uh, integration or end-to-end tests. But in, in unit tests in particular, it's very hard to tie yourself with the mocks to the, uh, implementation I- instead of, uh, testing, uh, business value of the product.
1: Yeah. You get too focused on testing code and not on really trying to test what the results should be.
2: Uh, yeah. Uh, I think you're right. And having said that, you can write good unit tests. So unit test is not a bad thing. Uh, but. You have to know how to write it effectively, when to write it, and whether it's the right thing to write unit test or a more uh, broader scope test.
0: Do you think that for somebody just starting with unit testing, you know, uh, some new, new developers coming into the fold, that they start doing manual tests first, you know, wiring them up manually, and then move into automation? Or do you just bring them right in?
2: You're talking about developers that want
0: to... Re- oh. Yeah, new developers. Do you recommend that they start off manually testing?
2: I guess that most uh, developers, uh, you know, when they uh, implement a feature, they're uh, doing some sort of testing, manual test, to to see that uh, what they developed uh, is good enough. So I guess it's not something, something new for uh, any developer. I think that the um, more challenging thing and uh, beneficial thing is uh, to try to think, even if you don't write the test, uh, implement it, try to think how are you going to test it before you start starting to write it. And isn't this the
1: basic mantra of test driven development is you think yeah. of the test first, start with the test failing, then write code to pass the test.
2: Yeah, exactly. But what I'm saying is, um, if you're, um, Carl asked about uh, how to start with the uh, test driven development, right? So, I think that uh, if you even put aside the implementation of the automatic test and only focus on thinking how are you going to test it, uh, in a way that proves that it's right, that it's correct, that what you wrote, the what you implemented, uh, what you're going to implement
1: is correct. Oh, I get it, yeah. Because it's easily possible to write code that's, that's test resistant.
2: Hmm. Yeah. And uh, most, most developers, um, you know, they're, uh, thinking about the problem. They have the designer in their head and they start, uh, they start coding. And, um, by the time they, um, complete their implementation, then they start to think, how can I test it? And, uh, many times they're just uh, debugging it in order to see that it goes through the right uh, paths in the code that uh, they thought it it should uh, it should go, and not about how do, how they see that the result that um, they expected. And uh, many times it re- it requires um, some uh, preconditions and some uh, things to be uh, prepared in advance whether it's uh, some special data to that this uh, piece of code uh, will use to see that it works uh, in some condition like this and uh, another data, data to see another condition and uh, this kind of stuff. And st- sometimes it's uh, simulating whether it's uh, using mocks if it's uh, unit tests or uh, end-to-end tests or uh, integration tests. Sometimes you have to simulate Um, some uh, other component or some other, uh, um, uh, I don't know, application that uh, talks to the main application or something like that.
1: Yeah, I think you can get mired up in just building too many tests infrastructure around your project, never get it really around to writing the core code. But I I do like this idea that thinking through the tests helps you think through the problem, not just how will I solve this, but how will I prove that it works? Right,
0: yeah. And how will we prevent bugs from creeping in, uh, where they might creep in if we had not had tests or a test framework? What are, what is in your, in your experience, what have been some of the biggest
2: challenges of automating tests? Oh, uh, there are many. <laughs> many times people think that, uh, you know, we'll just, uh, start to write automatic tests. There are a very, um, there are many, um, uh, very, um nice tools these days and very uh, that are easy to start with. Let, let's take for example uh, coded UI that comes with Visual Studio. Um, I think it's a great tool, but uh, mostly if you if you're using it to write uh a good code, you know h- high quality code that uses uh, coded UI uh so uh you can write good tests with it. But uh if you're just uh using the um, uh, record and playback, which is very easy to start with, especially, uh, for people who don't have, um, uh, background, background in, uh, programming. And uh, this is what, uh, many times, uh, happened that uh, someone from the QA team, uh, uh said, we, let, let's do automation and, uh, we can use, uh, recorded playback because I don't know, uh, how to program. So it's very easy to start uh, a new test automation fr- uh, project like this, but in most cases, uh, uh, it ends up being a very unmaintainable uh, test and uh, with very low value. Mm. In addition, there are core differences uh, between manual tests and automated tests, and often um even if someone uh, with programming experience uh, comes to a project to implement automated tests, he's given the test plan that a manual tester wrote, and he's given the task to automate what's written in the test plan. But some key uh, differences between uh, manual tests and uh, automated tests. So what are the differences? I say that... uh we we can look at it uh, from uh, two uh, perspective. Uh, one is um, I like to do an analogy between manual tests and automated automated tests uh, to riding a bicycle or to um, um, riding a tra- uh, train. Mm-hmm. Um, when you um, ride a bicycle, you go uh, slow slower, of course. But first of all, you have more time to look around and to search for bugs, and you can more look around. When you're uh, in the train, you just go from your source to your destination, and uh, you don't look around. The automation is not very good in uh, searching for bugs, like manual tests are. Yeah. Uh, In addition, if there is some kind of uh, obstacle in the way, uh, in the bicycle, uh, you can just uh, bypass uh, this obstacle uh, or the, or if the path has uh, changed a little bit, you just uh, follow the path, uh, and that's it. And uh, you don't even, uh, uh, give too much attention to this. Uh, on the other hand, uh, with uh, the train, every obstacle then, uh, uh, that, uh, there's on the track, the train uh, crashes. Okay. So automation, uh, Uh, only follow the exact uh, path that um, was uh, defined in the automated test. And this makes it very fragile and very. uh, it needs a lot of maintenance. Hey, Rockheads.
0: As Richard and I travel the world for the Azure World Tour, we're telling people all about our dev-centric friends at Stackify. They've been awarded PC Magazine Editor's Choice for application performance management. Stating, and I quote, "The depth of application information provided by Stackify totally outshine the other products in this category." End quote. Because Stackify so successfully integrates errors, logs, and metrics into a core APM plus tool, it's a must-have for .NET developers. Which is why PC Mag's Paul Farrell calls it one of the best infrastructure management services of 2015. Try Stackify now for free. And they'll ship you their coveted Developers Against Humanity card game. Just activate your account. Use the link bit.ly slash netrocks to build better apps faster and get your free game.
1: And I certainly had the experience when we built up a, a testing infrastructure at Strange Loop where we just hit a point where all the tests were broken and we, we threw them out and started over. You know, hmm. it you do a major version of an application and just smash your test suite to
2: pieces. Okay, so um, it, it really depends how the tests were uh, written in the first place. If the tests were um, written in a way that uh, uh, tests the uh, business value of the features, uh, so you m- might be able to uh, refactor the tests and still use them when you refactor the application. Yeah, this is an interesting
1: idea to me, Arnold. I'm just trying to get my head around. How do you write a test that tests the business value of a feature?
2: Okay. I'll tell you exactly how I do it. So, uh, um, first of all, I, uh, describe the test in, um, high level business terms, um, in plain English.
0: Using cucumber or something like that or just plain English?
2: You can use cucumber or uh, Flow uh it's uh these are great uh, tools uh, for doing it but mm-hmm. uh you can also do it just you know in notepad notepad plus plus or something right. like that uh, right <laughs> uh, or or in word um just write, write it, it down just word? write it down yeah. yeah just define what the um the steps are going to be to test but the steps in not in very uh, technical tiny bit Do you know to say, uh, um, yeah, not in technical terms, but in, not in technical not business in, terms. Yeah, exactly. So not uh, click on this button and click on this button. Right. But uh, I don't know, uh, uh, let's say uh, create create a customer, log in, uh, yeah. uh, define a promotion, uh, thing like this. Right. And in as much high level and business terms that uh, uh, you can, uh, but uh, in a way that um, proves what you're trying to accomplish to, to test. Okay. Okay. So now for each line, for each uh, of these steps, I write down, uh, in what, uh, context or what, um, on what this, uh, um, step applies. This is especially, um, uh, uh, important if you're writing the test, not in, uh, cucumber or, uh, spec flow, but if you write it in, uh, code, uh, yeah. this helps you create the, object-oriented design for the test. Because each of these contexts, let's say, for example, first, a login, uh, let's say define a promotion and uh, sell an item and see that uh, the item was sold uh, with a discount because of the promotion. Right. Okay. Uh, So uh, the login is done on the um, landing page, for example. So you're saying... This happens on the lo- landing page. And then when you translate it to code, you're writing landing page dot login. Okay. Yeah. Uh, next, uh, you're defining the promotion. Maybe it's, uh, uh, it can be a page, but it can be even something more, uh, broader like, um, a domain in the application, uh, like promotions. Okay. So promotions dot, uh, define, uh, uh uh, promotion and etc. And many times the uh, result of one uh, step or one action is the context for the next action.
1: Okay, so whatever the outcome of the first action sets, what the next action should be.
2: Yeah, when when you're logged in, so you're uh, getting to uh, um, the main window, and uh, so maybe the login action may uh, return the login window. Uh, sorry, the uh, main window. Mm-hmm. and uh then you can write uh um main window dot uh let's say menu bar uh create promotion okay right. so some of these contexts um are uh pages some are uh, can be um uh more broader terms like uh domains uh some can be entities uh that you're performing an operation on the entity so in words, and you wrote the context of each operation where it lives. And then it translates very naturally to code in C sharp. Uh, but you write it first like a pseudocode in C sharp with uh, classes and methods and uh, variables that do not exist yet. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And then you're going and uh, you're uh, creating methods for each of these uh, classes and methods for each of these uh, non-existent uh, classes and methods. And um, even before you start to implement them, you leave them with a throw-note-implemented exception, you can already run the test. Now, of course, it will fail. It will fail on the first uh, uh, throw-note-implemented exception. Okay? right so you're going to this thrown sort of not implemented exception and you're implementing this method and then you run again okay right. yeah. so you're you're reaching to the next one and to the next one each time you see that you got to where you expected uh, to reach and eventually the test should um if the test was written before the actual code then it should fail on what the test should uh, test if you're writing the test uh, after the fact uh, it would uh, probably, it should eventually pass, given that there are no bugs. Yeah. Um, and then I'm doing something very important, which is remove duplication. Everything that I see uh, that I write in the code, everything, every, uh, uh, thing that I'm doing, uh, copy paste when I'm doing, uh, the shortest thing to make it pass, I come back to these places. And I, uh, remove the duplication. And for, in order to remove duplication, you should use all the toolbox you have in C sharp, um, like, uh, of course, um, methods that you can uh, extract and things like that. Uh, but also um, base classes and abstract and generics and uh, lambdas and uh, everything that helps you remove the duplication. And duplication can be anything from sometimes even a part of a string. For example, um, if you have uh, URLs uh, of different pages in the application and the main part of the URL uh, is fixed and only the suffix changes, then using the uh, the entire url over and over is a duplication mm. okay you have to store only the um hostname in one place and the suffix every place it it needed or uh, if you're using selenium for example and you're using uh, xpath uh, to find elements then um also the starting of this xpath can be repeated and uh, you need to remove this duplication yeah and You're doing it for in the first test. You're doing it uh, just for the code you wrote for this test. But when you're adding more and more tests, all the time you need to remove the duplication between the new code of the test and the existing code. And this way, you're uh, keeping the code uh, maintainable and clean. But it's very very important in tests that they'll be um, highly maintainable. And this what makes Right. Uh, tests highly maintainable because if you have duplication, every time you need to, uh, change something, you need to change it in many places and to test right. all these places. And if you, if there's just one place, it's easier. Okay.
0: Well, Arnon, hold that thought because Richard, you know what time it is? Uh, must be that happy time again. You got it. It's time to see if Amtrak will take my tricycle as a trade-in for one of their passenger
1: trains. (laughs) Well, you know, it doesn't go around things very well. Carl Franklin on a tricycle. There's a visual for you. (sighs) (laughs) Didn't you have a recumbent bike at one point? Yeah,
0: it's a recumbent tricycle. It's a big one, right? A big one. It's like a big wheel. It's a big wheel for (laughs) grown-ups, for big people. Big people, big wheel. No, I love just it. Saying. It's actually time to give away a Telerik DevCraft collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first, do you know Swift, Objective-C, and Java? Can you use them in tools like Xcode and Android Studio? If so, awesome. For everyone else, there's NativeScript, a cross-platform framework for building native iOS and Android apps using skills you already have. JavaScript or TypeScript, CSS, and a XAML-like XML markup. Start building your dream native mobile apps today. Use the NativeScript CLI for free, or use NativeScript in Visual Studio with a Telerik platform subscription, which enables you to build iOS apps without the glowing Apple. Love it. Get started for free at Telerik.com slash NativeScript. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Mike Ward
1: from Kent, England. Congratulations, Mike. In the UK. I'll clap for you, sir. Oh, Clap for Mike Ward. <laughs> Wait, he might even be at NDC when the show comes out and he finds out he won. Absolutely. Wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, Mike just won the Telerik Dev Craft Collection. That's a huge pile of awesome from them. And if you don't know what we're doing here, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .net Rocks fan club because we have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But you got to sign we up just to win. did just do that? We just did that. We just did that. I'm sorry, you missed it. Elizabeth Groom. Elizabeth Groom won. Yeah. She did a whole smart home automation thing. It was awesome. And we announced it on the Smart Home Geek Out Show. Who would have thought of such a thing? <laughs> Kismet. <laughs> It's amazing. Well, anyway, we also like to ask our guests, Arnon, if you had $5,000 to spend on technology today, what would you buy?
2: Yeah, well, I thought about this question uh, quite a lot. And, um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I'm not very much of a um, a gadget guy. Uh, I like them, but not too much. And uh, if I have some gadget uh, uh, today that cost five grand, and uh, so in two years it would be worthless. And also, so then I thought uh, maybe uh, this uh, IoT stuff uh, or uh, virtual reality and all of this, but then I thought um, I won't have time really to to really play with it. Uh, It will just uh, stay on the shelf and uh, I I probably won't uh, do a lot of it with it. So then okay. I thought, what would really make me something I can enjoy? Uh, and, um, I, I like sailing. This is uh, oh, one cool. of my
1: hobbies. Nice. You can spend a lot of money on sailing. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. Um, now I have a, a friend who has a uh, has a boat. That's the best way to sail on somebody else's I boat. Agree. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no. yes. but, but but it also has uh, some uh, disadvantages uh, because not not always uh, it works out because uh, I depend on him. I think. Yeah, you don't get to pay so much money. That's one disadvantage. Y- yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get to haul That's it right. out
0: and out, out of the water and scrape the barnacles up, That's another
2: disadvantage. That's That's true. That's true. Yeah. But um, I, I thought maybe if I have um, a smaller boat, uh, a dinghy like a 420 or a um, catamaran uh, yeah. uh, like a hobby cat or something like that. There Even a used one, I think I get um, I can uh, get one for uh, five grand. Uh, I think that this would be, uh, make me much more happy. Yeah,
1: great. Well, and, and Hobby Cats haul ass. Like, they're really fun to sail. Yeah. If you, if you're ready to get wet.
2: Yeah, exactly. They, so, they uh, and, move. and I like to, I like to, you know, to, to feel the water, to feel the wind. Um, and uh, on my, uh, friend's boat, uh, which, um, I like a lot, but, uh, it's a bigger boat and, uh, it's um I get you get uh less to to really feel the water and the wind sure. the, as you do in the these small boats. the
1: way I was taught sailing was you are flying with one wing in the air and one wing in the water
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. one look, one way to look at it
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and then and so you know act accordingly You're traveling through two different mediums at the same time, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, you could spend way more than five grand on sailing. No two ways about it. <laughs> yeah. So, sh- should we talk about some automation tools? I mean, you've mentioned Selenium. Yeah. Um, but I don't want just want to end the and the coded UI tools. I don't just want to focus on the UI side of automated testing. Yeah. I mean, everything should be automated ultimately, right? In this DevOps world, we want our tests to run fast, so we kind of need automation.
2: Yeah, and uh, you're right. Not everything should be uh, through the UI. Most places, um, most teams, um, I, uh, encountered, if they don't have planned for, uh, automation, uh, in advance, they usually start with, uh, UI automation because, uh, it's easier and, uh, most approachable, uh, without making changes in the application itself. Uh, right. but, um, in many cases, uh, it's worth to, uh, uh, do the automation, um, On the uh, server, for example, if you have a REST API, uh, which is publicly available to, to your customers, this Mm -hmm. is a great place to use uh, automation because the, the API, you, you must um, maintain uh, backward compatibility. And so you're very unlikely to break the, the tests. The tests must, uh, everything that uh, worked in one version should continue to work exactly as it is. Uh, right in uh, later ver- versions.
1: Yeah, and I think it's those are super valuable tests, right? It's this yeah. ability to know you can regress to the older ver- to the older versions of the tools. I am, um, yeah, I I hate this idea that your first testing experience would be with UI testing because I think it's the hardest testing to do.
2: I'm not sure if it's the hardest thing. Um,
1: well, to to keep from being brittle,
2: th- they're a little bit more f- uh, brittle, and uh, it's more more challenging be- because. It's not meant for, um, robots to, to operate for a machine right. to operate, uh, like that, uh, which is what the automated tests are. Right. Instead, they're designed for people and there are some differences, but, um, in many cases, it's not, uh, really Selenium is a great tool and, uh, coded UI. It, it depends uh, on how the application itself, uh, is, uh, is written in which, uh, with which, uh, tools and, uh, third party controls. Sometimes it complicates things, but, um, if you're doing, if the UI is pretty standard, it's not that hard. You also have, uh, other tools like, uh, uh, Run or X, which is great, um, though more expensive, both for, uh, many types of UI, including browser and, um, mobile.
1: Yeah. So this is a retail test product, Ranorax. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Priced accordingly. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> they will take your money.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, you, you asked before about, uh, the challenges and, um, I really want to emphasize that, um, the reliability and the trust is a key element in test automation. It means that every little, a uh, failure, must be thoroughly investigated and fixed as soon as possible. And this right. is also the great value of automation, which makes it more suitable to prevent bugs or finding them very, very uh, soon in the process. And uh, hopefully when the developer run them, even before he checks in his code, mm-hmm. this way you can prevent bugs and not find them. And if you're not doing this, you, let, let's say that today... All the tests pass and everything is green. And, uh, tomorrow, um, there's one, uh, failure and, uh, you investigate it and, um, you see that it's something, uh, you're opening a bug on it. I'm, let's say I'm talking now, uh, from the perspective of a tester or test automator, uh, which is not the developer itself. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the test uh, automator, uh, opens uh, a bug. And the developer says, uh, oh, okay, but it's not a critical bug. Uh, we'll fix it, uh, um, when we'll have time, you know, somewhere in the far future.
1: Yeah. And, and I, I can, I can get the idea that if you don't go after those failures right away, people will just start ignoring the test suite.
2: Exactly. And this can kill the test automation project completely.
1: Right. <laughs> if, if people just aren't paying attention to the fact that it fails and going yeah, on without it. Uh,
2: exactly. So, uh, test automation, uh, Must be kept clean and green all the time. Often it requires the management's uh, buy-in for this, you know, to give the priority to fix these small things soon and don't delay them. Uh, Does it take
1: dedicated people as well? Because, I mean, so far we've been mostly talking about tests that developers write. Yeah. What about dedicated test people? And what about, you know, who supervises the
0: test automation? That was my next question, Richard. You brought up such a good point. <laughs> uh, I've yeah. seen many projects start out with the best of intentions with testing and then abandon it because it became, you know, too, quote unquote, cumbersome for them. Right.
2: Yeah. It's a great question and um, there's no uh, right uh, answer. And mm-hmm. I, th- I think it, it depends a lot uh, on the team itself, on the people on, in the team, their abilities. To write and maintain and to understand how to write good tests and um, I think that every project must have at least one test automation expert that specializes in automated tests and he understands uh, all the in and outs and all the uh, pros and cons of writing good tests and um, now the question who actually write the test it can be the developers it can be uh dedicated uh, test automated uh, automation uh, developers uh, or it can be even testers manual testers but uh only if uh, they are um they have good enough skills to um really write and maintain the automation it also depends on the tools they're using uh, for the automation
1: yeah, uh, of course. And and do you believe in building this into the deployment process or into the, you know, do you do this at check-in or do you do it after the build? Like, where does the automation piece live?
2: Yeah, I, I think that um, uh, the best thing is uh, to have it in the uh, CI, the continuous integration build, yep. uh, or even uh, in the gated check-in. But it also depends on um, how long uh, the entire suite uh, takes. If it takes too long, yeah. so it's, um, it's okay to run it only once a day, usually during the night, uh, in the nightly build. But even then, every morning, everyone should look at the result or at least one person, uh, which is dedicated to this, uh, uh process should look at the result and, uh, say, look, uh, this uh, failed because uh, your check-in that you did uh, yesterday, and uh, this uh, failure was due to this and this, and um, really uh, drive to solve uh, these failures as soon as possible. Now, having said that, they can run uh, in the nightly build. I think that in most cases, it's possible just to uh, parallelize uh, the test run and get right. better, um, times. And the cloud really
1: helps for this too.
2: Yeah, exactly. And it,
1: well, my, my experience, we've been looking at keeping the entire test suite running in less than 20 minutes. And that has more to do with the attention of developers than it has to do with any of the technology. Yeah. If I can get the error reports back to the dev in, in, you know, 15, 20 minutes, they still remember the code. Exactly. So they can fix it pretty quickly.
2: And also, if it run uh, fast enough in measures of uh, minutes, uh, like 20 minutes or something like that, it's acceptable to uh, say that every developer should run the test on his local machine before he checks in his code. And then you can uh, ensure that the build is always, uh, always green. Yeah, well, it
1: you know, even if it doesn't even run on his machine, it's just part of the build process. If it kicks yeah, back to them quickly, exactly. then... then the the main my main concern with the te- getting the test reports back the next day is they moved on to something else in the meantime. Yeah, and so they're distracted now. I mean, it's one thing to work till five o'clock at night, check in your code, go home, and when you get back in the morning, the thing you checked in here are the errors for it. Is another thing that you you did your check in at ten a.m. and then moved on to something else, and the next day the thing you checked in at ten a.m. the day before is the thing with all the errors in it.
2: Yeah, uh, exactly. You're definitely right. But, I mean, back in the dot-com
1: boom, I could get enough money to build gigantic test suites. Like, all this hardware that was, was actually more hardware to run the tests than it was to run the website. But, you know, now you have the cloud, you don't have to... You, today, you can't mm. get that money, yeah. and you don't need to because the cloud will do it for pennies. Right. And scale up when you're running
0: the tests and turn them off when you're not. Just makes sense.
1: Yeah that that's the hilarious part is is watching is is watching your, your test you know light you light up 10 copies yeah. of your website in azure and you split the test across all 10 of them they run all at once and then they all shut, they take all the reports back and they shut all down again. It's like, I just lit up 150 machines. I ran them for 15 minutes. Then I give them all back. You can have them. And it probably costs you 20 bucks. If that 20 bucks, maybe a hundred. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when you get that working right, it's, it's really kind of awesome. Are you uh, using Azure and Amazon or any other cloud services for testing? Obviously you are, but uh, have you, have you used all the platforms out
2: there? um frankly no <laughs> not so much uh usually i uh most of the time i uh run the test on premise some sometimes on uh virtual machines mm. uh but uh still on premise
0: for mostly web apps or windows apps or what are you building both
2: both yeah, yeah. um i, I help uh, customers and uh there are the d- diverse uh technologies and uh types of applications from uh even um sometimes uh, hardware and uh, um, embedded to websites and, you know, big websites and stuff like that.
1: Okay. And we talked about, again, we talked about Selenium, but what, what, favorite automation tools? Like, what's, is there a, a lot set of libraries or things you like to use to really automate all of this? Well, you've written some stuff, haven't you?
2: Yeah, I um, created a, a library on uh, GitHub and uh, I created also a NuGet package. In fact, uh, there are um, three packages. All of them are called uh, Test Automation Essentials, the common, one of them is for MS Test and one uh, for uh, Coded UI, and now I'm uh, working on uh, writing another one for Selenium, which are actually, you remember that I talked about remove duplication in the beginning? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I went from project to project, I started to see that I repeating myself in each project. Many things I'm writing uh, over and over again. So I just put all these things that I wrote over and over again, put them uh, in these libraries. The common library uh, has many useful things that uh, are even not necessarily uh, for uh, testing. They can be for uh, any code that you write. It has uh, methods like um, a lot of extension methods, by the way. Mm. Um, For example... I have a method go- I called uh, try get, which is um, in C sharp sh- uh, six. It's um, irrelevant because uh, there are the null conditional operator, uh, but uh, this extension method does the same thing. Sometimes you have uh, a line of code that should read something like uh, order dot customer dot uh, address dot Okay, mm-hmm. and um, any. Part of uh, of this line can uh, throw a null argument or um, null reference exception. Okay, and it may be okay that it will be null, and in this case, you want the address to be the, the street to be null also. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is especially uh, useful um, uh, when you're using a code that is generated um, from XSD files, for example. So. You need the street, but maybe the, the customer is null or the order is null or every, or anything like mm-hmm. that. So instead you can write, um, order dot try get and then a lambda expression that uh, goes, uh, X go to X dot, uh, customer and then, and then dot try get X goes to X dot, uh, uh, address, uh, et And all these try gets will, um, just continue uh, uh, if the lambda returns now, and if uh, it doesn't return now, it returns the value that it's uh, supposed to return. Awesome. So this is just one uh, um, example. Uh, there are uh, things that like um, uh, nice syntactic sugars. Like I like to write instead of uh, time span dot for minutes uh, three, I can write three dot minutes. Oh, cool! <laughs> yeah, so it just makes the code uh, more readable. Well, that's great. This just came out in August, right? Uh yeah, I think so. Automation I Don't remember exactly. Yeah. In the MS test, uh, I have a test-based class, which uh, this is very important. Uh, I also uh, wrote about it in my blog about the uh, doing a proper cleanup in uh, test automation. It's um it's very challenging to write a good uh, cleanup code. I wrote a, a base class for uh, that you can use for every test. this one uh, so it's uh, called a test base. If you're using this test base, you can uh, every time you're making some operation that requires cleanup at the end, you're calling a method that uh, called uh, add cleanup action. you're passing uh, delegate to this cleanup action and mm-hmm. this cleanup action happens when the test completes whether the test passed or failed. Hmm. And also the order of these actions are um, reversed because sometimes you have dependencies between them. And uh, when you clean up, you need to clean up uh, in the reverse order.
0: Arnon, that's very cool. And I'm sure that our listeners are going to really get into digging into it. Uh, I'd just like to thank you very much for being with us today. It's, it's been great talking to you. Thank you very much for having me. All right, and we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios Now go write some code. See you next time.
2: Got a transmit of band by the FCC Alabama the top of
0: my peace high